Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow. Mad cow. Mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sun Nation, welcome to the show here on another Friday afternoon. Sun Guy with you as normal. Real fast before we jump into things with our guest today, some show notes. If you are looking for some professional wrestling in the next couple of days, tonight, WCWO at the Outlaw Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana, FGW in Hamilton, Ohio, DCCW in Lafayette, Indiana for a benefit show, Paradigm Pro Wrestling in Jeffersonville, Indiana at the arena, Horror Slam in Livonia, Michigan, Morocco Mayhem in Morocco, Indiana, Wrestling Revolver in Batavia, Ohio, PWE in Brownstone, Illinois, and the PWA in Lebanon, Tennessee today. Tomorrow night, Supreme Wrestling in Madison, Indiana, HAW in Maywood, Illinois, GNW in Cynthia, Kentucky, featuring the Last Stand of Legendary Larry D, PWE in St. Louis, Missouri, TCW in Ferguson, Kentucky, and STF in Salt Lake City, Utah, featuring Kevin Sullivan and Buddy Highway, the new Dungeon of Doom. So if you have wrestling near you, get out there, support, support, support. And without further ado, I want to welcome our guest to the program today, someone I have known for a very, very long time. He is making his way to the show for the first time, strangely enough, but we're happy to have him. Texas Outlaw, welcome. Thanks for the invite, man. Well, since it is your first day with us, I am going to give you our traditional first-timer question here. How did you get your start in the business of professional wrestling? Um, I moved to Madison in 1997, and uh, we had a local promotion here at that time, Spring Championship Wrestling. And uh, I just happened to buy a ticket from some people, actually some wrestlers and wives selling tickets at Walmart, went down and watched the show, owner, booker, trainer, at that time, Eric Draven approached me and was like, you wrestle? I was like, no, but I thought about it, and it's pretty much hands down from there. You recently announced that you were going to retire from professional wrestling. What led you to make that decision when you made it? Yeah, I'm I'm having some some health issues. Uh, I'm a type two diabetic, so it's it's getting a little rougher. I've currently got some health issues going on. Uh, I've already had one amputation, lost a uh, pinky toe on my left foot, and I'm in the process of probably losing either another pinky toe or maybe half a foot or something. Well, we're sorry to hear that. Hopefully you'll avoid that. Yeah, I'm working on it. It's difficult, though. Uh, you've been around the Midwest, like you said, for a very, very long time, and you've seen a lot of wrestling in that time, and you've gone to a lot of places in that time. 
when new wrestlers come up to you and they're getting started in the business, what's some of the advice that you give to these uh, rookies coming up in the business? Well, first off, I tell them to shut their mouth and listen. That's probably the best advice anybody could give them. Uh, Second, always walk up and introduce yourself, handshake, fist bump, whatever. I mean, COVID changed a lot of stuff these days. Um, Always find the booker when you get to the show. Make yourself known. See what he wants. See what you can do for him. So forth like that. Now, as someone that has gone to a lot of towns and wrestled in a lot of places, do you have specific travel tips for some of these young rookies as far as going on the road and being on the road and making sure that the trip's going to be successful? Well, I I advise them to try to fill the car as much as possible, five, six guys. That makes it cheaper on everybody if everybody pitches in. Uh, Then you got multiple, possible multiple drivers, so the car is always moving and stuff. So, I mean. (laughs) Um, The two of us are very well aware that in pro wrestling, if you are in it for very long, there's going to be an injury happen. Uh, We've both had it we've both seen it in the course of your career what are some of the injuries that you've had to deal with actually i've only had one injury but it took me almost two years to bounce back from it i had a left separated shoulder which come completely out of socket and uh that was back like 2021, 2020, something like that. And it just took a lot of rehab because there was like, I don't know, uh, nerve, three nerve damages, and it took like three surgeries to put it back in. And it was, it was pretty difficult. I separated my shoulder in a match one time, but no one cared because I broke my face in the exact same match, so people didn't seem to notice it as much. So I understand what a separated shoulder will do to you. Now, one of the places you've wrestled the most, if not the most in your career, has been for Supreme Wrestling there in Madison. They are a weekly promotion and they oftentimes will run multiple times in a week do you think that supreme wrestling would be what you would consider to be your home promotion and where you've done the most wrestling oh yeah i'm definitely a mainstay there one of the big advantages they have is that they have their own building where they wrestle every week so they don't have to worry about finding venues show to show like a lot of companies do have to do in order to run shows what do you think of promotions that have that dedicated building where they know they're going to be in there for a year or two years or whatever the case may be and be able to run when they want to run, train in the building, so forth, so on. Oh, yeah, it definitely gives you peace of mind. I mean, not having to deal with looking for a venue or whatever uh, is definitely a plus because, like, you can secure a venue, but then it can, like, fall through and at the last second you have to cancel. And that doesn't – it looks bad for business. So, yeah, I, I, I would recommend 
trying to find your your niche and find your building to where you're going to stay at. As far as I know, there's only a couple of places that do that, and Supreme is one of them. Now, Supreme Wrestling also goes to other towns besides Madison. They often go to Seymour, Indiana, and they go to a few more places and run spot shows. Do you like the fact that Supreme does travel and does go to different towns and uh, not only gives fans in another town a chance to see live wrestling, but it also gets the wrestlers in front of new faces and the chance to wrestle in front of maybe a different type of crowd. Oh, yeah, definitely. This is like this year we did like uh, three three shows in North Vernon at the at the county fair there for Jennings County, and I was able to make all three shows, which was great. Uh, you also, if I recall correctly, have wrestled in Kentucky, which is a different state as far as regulations and so forth. They have an athletic commission there, so you have to be licensed. Uh, you have to get physicals every year. There's a lot of guidelines. Did you prefer wrestling in Indiana versus Kentucky or the other way around based on Indiana not having commission and Kentucky having a commission? Oh, yeah. Nobody wants to have to pay out of their pocket for a license that you really don't need. Uh, but, I mean, Kentucky, that's how they make their, their money there. It's, I think it's still like 25 bucks a pop, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, um, I've wrestled twice there. I've wrestled in Bedford, and I've wrestled at the iconic Davis Center, OVW. <laughs> it was for uh, A1W1, but, I mean, it was still like a subsidiary of OVW because we used the ring, the building, the whole nine yards, locker rooms, everything. Uh there was several people that from OVW there that helped operate it and make sure things went the way they were supposed to, like TPT, Trailer Park Trash, Adam Revolver, Ted McNailer, just to name a few. Speaking of OVW, they recently had the show on Netflix that chronicled what OVW is currently doing, and a lot of the wrestlers there in OVW all of a sudden had a lot more recognition and saw their bookings increase and so forth. Did you get a chance to watch the Netflix show and form an opinion on it? I've watched a couple episodes. I think I got the first two. I thought it was very informative and putting everything out there. Yeah, it's got to be beneficial for all the wrestlers down there at OVW. Uh, Since you started in professional wrestling, you know that OVW has actually changed hands ownership-wise a few times. Uh, Danny Davis and Jim Cornette owned it for quite a while. Uh, it was sold to Dean Hill, and he owned it for a while. He sold it to Al Snow. They have been affiliated with both WWE at one point and later Impact Wrestling. So there's been a lot of office change amount of time you've been wrestling do you have an era of OVW that you think might have been the peak of the company whether it's years ago or more recently or there was a certain owner that you thought 
ran things the best? Oh, I don't know, let's see. It definitely when they were part of the, the um, developmental for WWE, they were on fire. I mean, you got to look at who's who of wrestling, John Cena, Batista, Brock Lesnar, um, just to name a few, came through there at that time and went on to be major stars in WWE and UFC. And when you look at the landscape of professional wrestling now, it's a lot different than it was in the late 90s and early 2000s. Uh, most of the major national companies have their own training schools and their own programs. But when OVW is going as a developmental territory and they were aligned with a national company but still using the local independent wrestlers along with that and running their own school independently of the national companies. Do you think that was more beneficial to wrestling as a whole, or do you think that it was more beneficial to have the national companies do their own training in-house? Well, it was definitely more beneficial for OVW to be their developmental. And since WWE opened that um, performance center, it's definitely cut down and really cut into their ability to be able to stay open. And I commend them for uh, keeping their doors open and doing what they got to do to get there. Now, at one time, WWE was running the reality show Tough Enough, and a lot of independent wrestlers sent in videotapes at the time to try to get onto that show. A lot of independent wrestlers didn't really know if it was an actual training that was going to happen or if the contracts would be legitimate or if it was strictly for television and more of a show. But a lot of independent guys got excited when Tough Enough was happening. Did you ever delve into looking into trying out for Tough Enough or was that something that didn't really interest you at the time? No. I I watched it and I remember when Mike, the Miz, Zanny, uh, he was the last winner. Well, actually, I think Maven was the last winner. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched a couple of those shows, but that really wasn't my cup of tea either. Now, you also have been on enough shows that you know one of the more sensitive and controversial topics of discussion in wrestling is the use of blood in pro wrestling. There's a lot of people that since we've learned a lot in medical science have said blood is no longer appropriate on pro wrestling shows. Some people feel that it's fine under the right circumstances if it's done sparingly. Others think that you should have blood practically every single match. Where do you stand on the issue of blood as it relates to pro wrestling in 2023? Well, I mean, it was heavily used in the 80s and kind of just gradually faded from that point on. And then especially with the COVID era now, uh, it's, it's probably like rare I mean, I mean, you still see it. I mean, there's certain people on certain shows that still get busted open or 
whatever. I mean, we could name John Moxley as one. He bleeds almost every week. I mean, <laughs> me, myself, I've never been busted open since I started wrestling. So I've been fortunate. Indeed so. Always rough day at the office when you have to glue yourself shut. You also have been in there with a lot of wrestlers that are extremely well known for the chop in wrestling. I know you've been chopped a fair amount in your day, and you've thrown some chops in your day for sure. Who would you say, out of everyone that you've come into contact with in your career, has the hardest chop? Well, let's see. Let's let's touch on that. So physically being chopped by somebody, I'd say the hardest is Bobo Brazil Jr. Now the loudest one I've ever heard so far and not been chopped by has been Von Dallas. I would have to agree with you there for sure. 100%. On that, well, we are at the point in the show where we have a game we like to play. We call it Word Association. I'll throw out the names of some people that you most likely have come into contact with, and the first word or two that comes to your mind is the answer. Are you prepared for some Word Association? Sure, I can play some Word Association. All right, here we go. First name? Chuck McRoberts. He's a wild thing, that's for sure. I mean, he's he's pretty stand-up guy. I mean, we ain't always seen eye to eye, but he's he's on the level. Chet Ripley. That dude's just plain crazy. I mean, when I say crazy, I mean crazy, insane. He's he's out there. <laughs> Cash Jackson. Uh, he's probably my greatest rival. I mean, we've had like three or four matches, and I just, for some reason, he brings out the best in me. I bring out the best in him. Can't ask for much more than that. Karn Alexander. Karn Alexander. Uh, very underrated. Uh, Could have went a, a long ways in this business, and for whatever reason, just didn't. I mean, and if he's cool with that, I'm cool with that. You know what I'm saying? Billy Matter. Uh, Billy Mattering is another mainstay at Supreme Wrestling. Uh, we both came up in the same class. Very, very talented individual. Uh, I mean, he's a good kid. He's still learning, and he needs to bulk up a little bit bigger. He's still bulked. Close to where he needs to be, but he still needs to bulk up a little bit more. Lily Lockhart. Lily Lockhart, uh, generational talent. She's like a third gen. So I mean, she's she's definitely talented, and I think she just decided wrestling wasn't for her anymore, and that's a shame. Tegan Rose. Uh, Tegan Rose. She's very talented. Um, I've mentored her a little bit, and I think she's going to go 
a long ways in this industry. Dylan Bostic. Dylan Bostic. Uh, he's he's phenomenal. He's he's got a lot of talent too. I've never had the chance to wrestle him, but uh, would have loved to. I mean, I've seen him in action several times on many different cards. He's he's pretty good. Eric Draven. He's a phenomenal trainer. And uh, he'll, he'll make sure that you get quality training for the right price. And he's got his issues just like anybody else. But, I mean... He's another that could be considered one of my rivals. Johnny Justice. Johnny Justice. I I remember that guy. Um, He had a lot of talent. I think he's still doing it part-time and had a a lot of potential and just basically found something outside of wrestling that pulled him away. Uh, I don't know if it was a job or a wife or what, but definitely got pulled away and could have went a lot further than he did or is. J.P. Smooth. J.P. Smooth. Let's see. Uh, That's uh, one half of NC-17, if I'm not mistaken. Talented individual. I've worked on several shows with him and recently did a couple with him and his son, along with Cash Jackson and a six-man, and they came out with the victory. So, I mean, definitely talented. Last name on the list, Bobo Brazil Jr. Oh, that's a legend, legend right there. Uh yeah, he's definitely a legend. I, there's, I can't say enough things, good things about Bobo. One of the things that has become a fad in pro wrestling in the last few years is having commentary piped in over the PA system for the live crowd. I've seen it on shows I've done from time to time. It's sort of a mixed bag on if it is good or if it hurts the show. A lot of the live commentators don't have a good grasp of what it is that they're really supposed to be doing. Uh, Some people really enjoy having it. Some people detest when they're on a show that has it. Have you done many shows with live over the PA commentary? Um, actually, I've never encountered that. I didn't even know they do that. It is a thing that happens in some promotions. And you can probably imagine it's mixed results depending on if someone fully grasps what the job entails or not. Right. Well, I I can't comment on it one way or the other because I've never uh, experienced it or done it or had to deal with it. Very fair. Very fair. You mentioned 
Eric Draven as being a very good trainer, and a lot of wrestlers, they step away from ring wrestling, will gravitate towards training the new wrestlers. Is training new wrestlers something that you've done very much of at this point, and do you see yourself maybe staying in the business as a trainer going forward? Uh, I wouldn't call it training. I would call it mentoring. But, yeah, I've I've mentored a few uh, wrestlers from Supreme and anyone that's basically willing to listen to the advice I'm willing to give. And when you mentor a young wrestler, do they call you and get advice as far as what bookings to take, where to work, where not to work? Are they looking at more uh, strictly in-ring advice? Are they looking at the business end advice? What do they normally want out of you as far as how to help them? They just basically look for entering advice, booking advice as well, um, how to act, what to do, what not to do, basically. And uh, they just really want to sit down and listen to your stories and, I mean, pick your pick your head really and that's not a bad bad thing for sure not now you've been in locker rooms with a lot of guys that were nationally known people that were on national TV with the larger promotions and wrestled full-time as their career, and only that as their career. Who would you say during the course of your time has been your most well-known opponent, and who might have been not necessarily in the ring with you but was on a show with you that might have been the biggest name that you've shared a locker room with as well? Well, I mean... It depends on how you look at it. I mean, I've shared a locker room with Ricky Morton, and he's a legend. I mean, he's held tag team championships all over the world. There's the NWA, former NWA world champion, Rod Conway. I've wrestled him numerous times. Um, I mean, there's Simon Dean. I've wrestled him. Uh, I mean, now, Rob Conway was known as having one of the best physiques in professional wrestling. You've been in, on shows and in the ring with a lot of guys that are in phenomenal shape. Uh, we mentioned Karn Alexander, who looks like he was made out of a Greek statue. There's so many guys out there. Who would you say had the best physique out of everyone that you've worked with in your career? Oh, well, Rob Conway's in phenomenal shape right now. He's probably in the best shape of his life. And I don't think anybody's on his level right now, maybe other than... Tony Neese. Tony Neese is also a very good choice for best physique. And in your own career, obviously you have to be in good enough shape to wrestle professionally. It's a very cardio-intensive activity 
So you have to be in shape enough to be able to withstand 10, 15, 20 minutes in the ring. What did you do as far as being able to maintain ring conditioning? Well, I would I would make training sessions twice a week, and then I would go to the gym and perform my regular routine. And then, like, sometimes I would even go to the local hospital and run up and down their stairs. I mean, you can get exercise pretty much anywhere. Very true. Now, in mentoring the younger wrestlers, did you them a lot of advice as far as the training aspect, as far as being able to find the time to do cardio and maybe go to the gym and how to put on bulk or how to take weight off and things of that nature? I've made suggestions. Most Mostly I've worked with people around helping them work on their in-ring skills and stuff like that. Did you ever have a wrestler that you were mentoring that didn't totally grasp how as cardio-intensive wrestling was, wasn't ready for it, and had to learn the hard way and uh, blew up during the course of a match, got sick during the match, things of that nature, that that was the lesson for them? Oh, yeah. We definitely had people get sick from getting overwhelmed, overheated. I mean, pretty much part of the nature of the business. And we talked about how Supreme Wrestling has the venue there in Madison where they run the weekly shows. They also do, during the course of a year, a lot of outdoor shows at festivals and fairs and things of that nature. Outdoor shows can pose a lot of different logistic problems compared to wrestling indoors. There's also a lot of benefits wrestling outdoors as opposed to indoors. Did you have a preference when it came to wrestling outdoors or wrestling indoors? Well, I prefer indoors because, I mean, you're protected a lot more. You don't have to deal with the sun or the rain or the elements of the outside. I mean, but, I mean, each one has its, pros and cons. I mean, I, w- I would suggest that if you can wrestle outside, I would at least try it once. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Now, I've seen outdoor shows where the weather became an issue, whether it started to rain and they had to wrap things up early and get the ring out of there in order to avoid damaging the ring. I've seen the heat become an issue and guys get burned on the canvas. I've seen guys pass out from the heat. In Idaho, they wrestle every New Year's Eve outside at the courthouse, and there has been snow falling a lot of times when they do that. So weather can become an issue. Have you ever been on a show where the actual weather conditions affected the show? Oh, yeah. I've I've done numerous outside shows where it'd either be blistering hot, like you said, or it'd come up raining out of nowhere and you have to wrestle the match in a puddle of water in the center of the ring. So, I mean, 
It's crazy. And when you wrestle outdoors, do you do things differently than if you were indoors, whether it is uh, dressing a different way or wrestling a different way or training for the match a different way? I, you got to try to be as safe as possible. I mean, you start talking about the sun, like you said, you can get burnt on that mat really quick. probably ideal to be the first match and not the last because then you're really getting baked. Then there's always, if it's rain, you got slick ropes, slick mat. I mean, it it, it can turn bad real quick. As far as the actual physical ring itself, those can also vary a lot as far as the construction of them. Uh, some have metal frames. There are some that have wooden frames. Some of them use real ropes. Some of them use cables. Some use planks. Some use two-by-fours. There's a lot of variances in the actual rings itself. Did you have a favorite actual physical ring in which you wrestled? I, I'm, I'm partial to the 16-foot ring because that's what I was brought up in. I've wrestled in a 22. I've wrestled in a six-sided ring. I mean, it's pretty much – it can be the same, but it's different if – you know what I'm talking about? You start adding inches and things tend to change. You have to work on your pacing and so forth. It, it definitely can throw you off. Absolutely it can, for sure. Now, you've been around long enough that you also know that the ring itself can be a problem if something goes wrong. Sometimes boards will pop up. Sometimes ropes will break. I've seen the eyelets lose their weld on post and the rope just drop. I've seen a lot of things go wrong, and I'm sure you have as well. What are some of the instances where you saw a ring actually go bad during the course of a match? Um, I've seen several top ropes break just from overuse of a period of time. I mean, uh, let's see, what else? I've seen boards snap. They'll come up and trip you or whatever or land on them wrong and get hurt. I mean, seeing rings fall completely apart. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot. Of, if, if it's not to par, it, it could be devastating for whatever reason that somebody could get hurt really quick. That is for sure. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of the time that someone was breaking down a ring in the middle of a match, but that is something I've at least heard of one time happening. So all kinds of things can go wrong with the ring. You also, a lot of times when someone stops wrestling will see that the person stays in the business by opening up their own promotion and running their own show. Uh, they'll use the connections they made while they were in ring to find people to work for them. A lot of times they have connections to the towns from having been 
a celebrity in that town, a lot of times it's easy to uh, find buildings because you've known the people that run the buildings. Is running your own show something that you have considered? Um, I've actually never ran a wrestling show, so it would definitely be a challenge. I'm not ruling it out. It could happen one day, but I I don't know. We'll see. If it does and we see Texas Outlaw Championship Wrestling, let me know so I can send my resume and references. All right. Will do, man. One of the other ways that a lot of wrestlers will stay connected is they will slide into a managerial role where they aren't wrestling full matches, but they're still performing, they're still uh, doing the occasional bit of physicality, and oftentimes they're helping out the younger guys by being out there and being able to teach them during the course of a match, has managing been something that you've considered? I've never really looked into acquiring my manager's license, but, I mean, we all get old, and we all know that we're not going to wrestle forever. So, I mean, it could be a role that I take on. You never know. I could take Jason Cohen's job. You never know. I could could do play-by-play. I mean, it's crazy. There we go. I guess Jason Cohen's shaking in his boots if he's listening to this. (laughs) I don't know. He does pretty good play-by-play. I mean, you just never know, though. Most wrestlers... When they start out, always remember the first time that a fan approached them to get an autograph or get a picture or buy some merchandise of theirs. Do you still remember that first time that you got approached by a fan for something like that? Yeah, it it wasn't too awkward. I mean, we all tried to make extra money and sell merchandise and connect with the fans as much as we can in one way or the other, whether it be good or bad. I mean, not everybody's able to do that, but it's basically everybody's goal is to make as much money as we can. So, yeah. Sometimes the fans in Indiana and Kentucky and Ohio can be a volatile bunch, and sometimes they get a little bit scary with their reactions and how they respond to certain things during the course of a show. Have you ever been in a situation where you were a little bit afraid of what the fans were either doing or seem to be on the verge of doing. You mean like maybe inciting a riot? Yeah, we've we've uh we've had shows where we've almost incited a riot before. Yeah, exactly. Like a riot or maybe someone uh came at you in the parking lot, something like that. Uh, I've been fortunate. Nobody's come after me in the parking but we did almost incite a riot one time, and I think it was in Sins, Indiana, that that happened. We we had a a road crew that we put together, and we all went up to a show that was running there, and they booked us and everything, and they basically had us do an invasion. And we pretty much went out there and smashed everybody they liked. And by the end of the night, 
they uh, they were ready to run us out of town. We're hitting the time of year where it's gift-giving season, and wrestling fans love to not only receive things, but also give wrestling-related gifts. What's some of the merchandise out there that you've seen recently that you think would make great wrestling-related gifts for this year? Well, T-shirts are always on top. Uh, Hats, they work. I mean, I've seen where people are starting to make their shoes. I mean... There's, you can get just about anything that's marketable these days. So, I mean, it's whether you can find people that want to buy it. That's the thing. One of the things that is coming up this Christmas Day is the movie The Iron Claw, which is a based on real life account of the Von Erics. It looks right. to be one of the bigger wrestling related movies to come out in quite a while. There's been a lot over the years. What would you say has been the best wrestling related movie to this point? based on facts or just uh, just the one that impressed you the most all that ready to rumble rock man as crazy it was but that was a movie movie and you're talking basically a movie documentary for the iron claw which is going to go into the deaths and the suicides of the von erics When we look at wrestling history, there was a tag team in the early 70s by the name of the Texas Outlaws. Dick Murdoch and Dusty Rhodes were the men that made up that team. Right. Did you get inspired by that tag team for your wrestling name, or did that name come from a different source? No, you you hit the nail right on the head with that one. It's definitely from uh, the Texas Outlaws, which were Dick Murdoch and Dusty Rhodes. And would you say that Dusty Rhodes and Dick Murdoch were two of your all-time favorite wrestlers, or did you just like the names of uh, the Texas Outlaws? How did that go? I like the name of the Texas Outlaw. I also like Dusty and Dick. I followed Dusty a long time. He was down there in Florida and went to Georgia and so forth. Followed him through there. And I mean, I mean he's probably one of the one of the greatest ever to do this. So I mean. Yeah, to have his... Did you ever get the chance to cross paths with Dusty Rhodes? I have not. No, I, I never did, and it's unfortunate. I mean, I got to watch a lot of his matches, but that's about it. Watch his promos. Well, we are down to the last few minutes of the program today, and I want to give you ample time if there is anything you would like to say to the listeners. If you want to plug and promote absolutely anything from social media to merchandise to upcoming shows to your favorite barbecue restaurant, anything in the world you would want, floor is yours. I am working on a new T-shirt line. I'm 
working on a prototype, and once it comes through, I might mass produce it. I don't know. Uh, it's kind of personal to me, but I mean, it is what it is. Um, I don't know what the pricing on those would be yet because, like I said, it's still when it works. Uh, I try to keep my merchandise as cheap as possible, but I also try to turn a profit. So, I mean, it, it is what it is. Another Dusty Roads reference there. Uh, there's like several Supreme shows that are coming up shortly. I think there's one in Seymour. I don't have the date for it. My service is down right now, <laughs> which is bad because we've ran into that before. I wasn't able to do the your talk show here a couple of weeks ago because we had bad service. Yeah, I think it's like, I I can't find the date on it. No problem. Well, Outlaw, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the program today. Hopefully, we will get to do this again with you at some point soon, and I want to wish you the very best as you continue to try to get your health back on track and hopefully our paths will cross at some point somewhere down the road, maybe at Texas Outlaw Championship Wrestling. You never know. I appreciate you having me on, man. Absolutely. You're always welcome here. Just say the word and we'll get you back on the schedule anytime. All right. I appreciate it. All right, well, fans, the Texas Outlaw has a lot of matches up on the Jump on there and search him out if you've not seen him. Great, great performer. He was always a pleasure to see in a locker room. So get out there, check out what he's doing, and then continue to support him in whatever role he chooses next. We will be back with you on Sunday afternoon. We have the Combat Pro Wrestling janitor with us. He has been hard at work there at the Merkwood show as clean as possible. And then one week from this very day, we have Scott Icon Helmrest out of North Dakota. He is a podcast host on a wrestling-based show. I've been on that one before, and we are bringing him here to us as well. So make sure you have plans to be with us. Get out there, support your local professional wrestling, wherever it may be, and we will talk to you soon.
Talking in your sleep when you're all through. 